My name is Mark and my name is Victorious. Great to have you here this morning. You've picked a great morning to be with us. We're actually in a, a series we called My Name is Victorious, which is based around the book that uh, Louis just gave out. And uh, it runs for five weeks. This Today is week number four. Week one, we talked about My Name is Qualified, that so many of us actually think that we have to be qualified first in order to do what God's called us to do. But God actually flips the script on that one and says, no, I'll call you first. And as you respond to that call, I'll make you qualified. I'll, I'll help you achieve what I've called you to do. The second week, we tackled a big one. My name is enough. And that some of us, unfortunately, hang our head low and go through life thinking that we're not enough. And maybe we've been told we're not enough or maybe we've failed at certain things and concluded that we're not enough. And yet Jesus says that actually with me in you and working through you that you are in fact enough. Uh, last week we tackled a biggie and uh, this one's got a lot of, uh, of great feedback where we talked about my name is restored. And it's actually one of the aspects of God and one of the, th the things that He does that I think doesn't get enough publicity, that, that some of us actually, it was breaking news to be reminded or to learn that God is actually a restorer. Because the reality is that none of us are going to be able to get through life without being damaged at some point and in some way. And, and, and we've experienced damage in our past. We've, we've experienced damage across multiple uh, aspects of our life. We've experienced damage as a result of various things. All of us have. It's, it's inescapable. Even if you're a follower of Jesus, you can still get damaged. And yet God promises that we don't have to live and stay damaged, that He actually can restore us. And if we present ourselves to Him damaged, He will do the restoring. And I'd encourage you, if you missed any of those, or if you need a reminder, get onto our podcast and go back through that. It won't make your Monday morning commute pain-free, but it may just reduce the pain a little if you get busy with our podcast tomorrow. I'm a, a minimalist. I like to hit everything with a simple stick regularly, including life. And um, so... <laughs> One of the things that I do and one of the things I recommend other people do is whenever you add something to your to-do list, make sure you at the same time take something off your to-do list and put it on your not to-do list. Because if we keep just adding things to our to-do list and don't shift some things off our to-do list and put them over to our not to-do list, we'll, we'll live frantic and frenetic. As, as normal, and, 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 and I can tell you from personal experience, and by the way, I changed how I approach life because it's just not sustainable to keep adding things to our to-do list without putting things on our not-to-do list. But here's what, here's what I've discovered. Even when I hit life with a simple stick, and you probably know this as well, and try to keep our to-do list as kind of as lean and as punchy and as effective as possible, there's still a lot of moving parts on our to-do list. I mean, if you're married, you still have to invest in your marriage. Uh, and it can feel overwhelming sometimes. If you're a parent, you have to in invest in your kids. And you guys know as parents that, that it doesn't necessarily ever get easier. Or oh, the terrible twos. Yeah, well, thank God for the terrible twos because they're going to be teenagers one day. And you're going to wish they were two again. Parenting can be overwhelming. Sometimes just having a job and job pressures and, 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 and expectations in our workplace can be overwhelming. 
Um, we have to keep up with our fitness and our health. We have to keep up with friendships and relationships, add uh, serving in church and connecting with, with people in an Elevate group. And, and if even if it was just, you know, and then there's chores, daily chores, laundry. How many of you are responsible, like not necessarily the only person, but you're sort of the, the, the manager of the laundry in your house, the laundry process? Yeah, me too, me too. Well done. I, I, we're, okay, we're tight. All the people that just put their hands up, I love you and God loves you. I just, you need to know that. You need to know that. We're in this together. I feel, but, but if you're in charge of the laundry, you'll know that sometimes you've just picked and folded and put away the last load of laundry and you wander back into the laundry and it's like you haven't even started. It can be overwhelming and you're like, I'm just tempted to kind of, if it passes the sniff test, I'm just going to wear it again. Keep, keep things simple. <laughs> Even just simple life can feel overwhelming, but then add in challenging circumstances where we're, we're just kind of, you know, keeping this thing going, and then financial challenges come in, or health challenges come in, or relationship breaks down. Um, maybe you start to experience some mental or some emotional issues that you didn't, didn't see coming. And these things, if you were already feeling overwhelmed, can, can actually get us to where we're feeling overwhelmed to a breaking point. And what I want to teach on today and share with you is actually great news, not just good news. Great news that it is actually possible to live overflowing even when you're overwhelmed. And I want to take you to a story about an incredible declaration that Jesus made. If you've got our Elevate app, you can pop that open and tap the Bible tile. It's going to take you to something that John recorded uh, in Jesus' life. And the context of this particular slice of Jesus' life and Jesus' history is uh, every year the Jewish people came from all over the known world uh, to Jerusalem to celebrate a week-long festival called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the, 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 the Feast of the Tabernacles was the opportunity every year that the Jewish people took to remind themselves of how God led them out of captivity in Egypt and led them into freedom into the Promised Land. And they would actually take the week-long Feast of the Tabernacles to actually reenact key moments of that 40-year journey of God leading them out of Egypt into the Promised Land. And the pinnacle, the crescendo of the Feast of the Tabernacles happened on the last day, day number seven, where the priest of the temple would go down to the Pool of Siloam would draw some water from that pool, would bring that water back to the temple, and he would actually pour that water across the altar. And this was the big reminder that, that whilst they were in the desert, the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years, God for 40 years in the desert supernaturally provided them with drinking water that they never experienced thirst. And so this is the scene, and the priest is about to do this. <laughs> and then this happened. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Now, let me just add a little thing here. If you ever think that Jesus and Ned Flanders are the same person, they're really not. Ned Flanders, Jesus doesn't just do Ned Flanders. Sometimes Jesus stands and shouts. And he said this, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Now, this would have been so offensive to the Israelites 
for somebody, anybody, to stand up and say, no, no, forget about that water that you've just drawn from the pool and, and you're about to pour across the altar. There's something better, and, and it's actually me. Wow. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. This word rivers is, 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 is vital for us to understand. Jesus didn't say puddles. Jesus didn't say small lake that in the summertime dries up. Jesus said he has rivers of living water, that they will never run dry, that they'll never be lacking, that they'll always be overflowing, and we can access them even when we're overwhelmed. Now, on Friday, we put up, shared a post to our Elevate Facebook page. Uh, the, the article was titled, Seven Unbiblical Statements Christians Believe. And uh, high on the list is this uh, classic. Maybe you've heard it. No judgment, but maybe you've said it. God will never give you more than you can handle. Has anyone ever heard that? I'm not going to ask you if you've ever said that. I heard that. God will never give you. And, and we can believe that. But here's the thing. If anyone ever says that to you, God will never give you more than you can handle, you can know in that moment that that person saying that has never read the Bible. Because when you start reading the Bible, all of these big weight, heavyweights, these, heavy, these, these, these rock stars of the Bible that even unchurched people know some of them, Moses and, and, and David and, and Samson, you know what? They consistently experienced more than they could handle. In fact, the very reason that they made it into the Bible and that you and I have read about them and we consider them rock stars of the Bible is the fact that they experienced what it was like to be overwhelmed. That God either gave them more than they could handle or at least He allowed them to experience more than they could handle. Because when we experience more than we can handle, we've got two options in that particular season or that particular circumstance. We can either lay down and die or we can learn dependence on God. That He either gives us more than we can handle or allows us to experience more than we can handle to give us the opportunity to drive a path to Him, to drive a path to Him that says, I cannot do this on my own. God, I need You. I need to depend on You. God will actually give us more than we can handle. And so when we're overwhelmed, we need to learn how to stay hydrated. Now, I uh, compete in endurance sports, and uh, anyone who's competed in endurance sports or you've, or you've watched endurance sports, marathon, triathlon, that sort of thing, um, you may have seen some people kind of staggering along in the heat and, 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 and falling over. We saw this in the Commonwealth Games uh, men's marathon this year. Um, oftentimes... In those events, people are staggering and hallucinating and falling over and so on from, from dehydration, which, which actually makes no sense. Because here's the thing, if you, if you haven't experienced or competed in endurance uh, events, organized events, uh, let, me let, let, me, let me tell you how it works. Whether it's the HPF Run for Reason or the City to Surf or the Perth Marathon or the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon or whatever it is, the big marathons around the world, they have these things along the course called aid stations. And at those aid stations, 
some incredible volunteers hand out cups or, 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 or water bottles of uh, liquid hydration. And, and here's the thing. If you've paid your entry fee into those events, that stuff that's being handed out at the aid stations is actually included in the price of your entry. And so not only is it actually good value for money that you take advantage of those aid stations, I sometimes grab stuff and shove it in my pocket so I can actually take it home and use it for training in the next month. I mean, I'm getting my money's worth no matter what. So that's a true story. I'm not stealing it. I'm just being opportunistic. You're handing it out. I'm not stealing it from you. I'm just saying thank you very much. And I don't need, necessarily need it now, but I know I'll need it soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, Louis. <laughs> When Louis uh, sherpering at my races, she'll be on the sidelines and I'll just throw like a bunch of gels and water over the things just so I don't get bogged down and free my pockets up for the next lap. Anyway, um, that's a true story. Uh, but here's the thing. If you've ever been in an endurance event and you're suffering from dehydration, it just doesn't make any sense unless you're somebody that's just blown past every aid station or every other aid station, which if you've done that, of course you're going to get dehydrated. It's a no-brainer. But the aid stations are there and they're accessible. So why wouldn't you take advantage of them? And here's the thing though. I know a lot of followers of Jesus who are going through life overwhelmed and dehydrated. And Jesus is very clear on how that happens. He said, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. In brackets, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. That's John's kind of added line because John found out later who he was referring to. But in that, anyone who believes. So right there, we can understand that in order to access this Water, this river of living water that's always available to us that will never run out. In order to access it, the starting point is that we need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That grants just that. That acknowledgement that yes, Jesus is who he claimed to be gives us access in that moment and from that moment to, to these rivers of living water that Jesus spoke of. And if you haven't ever made the decision to follow Jesus, to acknowledge him, to say, yes, I believe you are who you say you are, we're gonna give you that opportunity in a little while. But then he says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. In other words, the option now exists for you, but it's not automatic. That the aid stations are there but we still need to make the decision to actually access them. Anyone who believes in me will automatically come and drink. No, that's, <laughs> that's not how Jesus set this up. He says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. It's an invitation, but it's not automatic. And this is why so many, too many Jesus followers are walking around dehydrated is they've got the invitation, but they haven't responded. They, they know the aid stations are there, but they keep blowing past them because we're busy because we've got things to do. And the ironic thing is, we can live overflowing even when we're overwhelmed, but often the very fact that we're overwhelmed means that we don't carve margin into our lives to access the rivers of living water, the very thing that will allow us to live overflowing even when we're overwhelmed. Doesn't make sense, but we do it. 
And Jesus said, and John added to this, that it's actually the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, that, that will provide this constant flow of living water for us. Now, <clears throat> I've been in church leadership for 20-some years, and uh, some of you may know this already. Uh, I can assure you that the Holy Spirit has been the victim of a lot of fake news over the years about uh, who he is and what he does and what he's for and what he doesn't do. Uh, one of, uh, <laughs> I got a lot of stories. Uh, we could just do a whole series probably on uh, fake news stories about the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, it's like, it's unbelievable. Here's one. Our last church, and, and before we became part of that church, uh, uh, they kind of took a deep dive into some of the more maybe marginal aspects of the Holy Spirit. And I remember one, one time they were having a you know, church service like this, and uh, there was a woman at the back, uh, back row, sitting in the back row, and, uh, and she felt the Holy Spirit move her and, and, and nudge her to, to do something. And uh, what she felt the Holy Spirit nudged her to do was to, this was during worship, during the music, this and that. What she felt the Holy Spirit nudged her to do was to uh, lower herself onto her belly and breaststroke her way underneath the chairs on the floor up, up to the front. And, and, and so she went about that because that, that she felt the Holy Spirit doing that. It's just weird. It's just weird. Can you imagine, like, you're here, and you're worshiping, and then you just feel something. It's like, like, like they do at Disneyland when they're like, the, 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 the thing on the screen spits, and, they, and the little seat in front of you spits a bit of water, and you're like, it's like, you're just worshiping, and then you're like, that feels like someone grabbing my ankle, and you just see this woman <laughs> breaststroking across the car. It's just weird. It's just, I, I can't tell you that, that, that the Holy Spirit didn't tell her to do that, but... Let's, let's tell you some other things about the Holy Spirit that go, go beyond breaststroking. Um, the Holy Spirit is actually, well, let me say this. There's a, there's the, the, the picture of God is that God is one God and three persons. And it's kind of a mystery. And, and people have used different metaphors to explain that. It's, it's, we, we, call, we call that the Trinity, okay? That God is one God in three persons, all right? And there's been different people try to explain it in different ways. The Trinity, God, one God in three persons is kind of like, like an egg. And uh, you know the egg has a shell and it has a white and it has a yolk and, and they're all three parts, but they're one egg. And it's like, yeah, all right. It's, mm, okay. Uh, more recently, um, youth ministries all around the world have been using the fidget spinner to show people that God is one God with three aspects, one fidget spinner with three spinny bits. It's like, yeah, okay, nice try, fair enough. But it, it, it remains a mystery, and yet the big takeaway from that is that the Holy Spirit is never referred to as an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a part of God. And, and, and because of that, not only can we embrace the Holy Spirit in the same way we embrace God and embrace Jesus. Actually, we should approach and embrace the Holy Spirit in the same way that we embrace and approach Jesus. And if you didn't, uh, if you're not convinced, let me let me give you a flyover of the Holy Spirit's resume. Okay, 
here's, in the new part of the Bible, here's the Holy Spirit's resume. Don't worry about the screens. There's something funny going on there. It's okay. You can focus. I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to freestyle from the stage to the back row. That's not true. Here's some of the Holy Spirit's resume. The Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit empowers us to love. The Holy Spirit reveals the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit enables you to declare Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit distributes gifts to those who believe. He unifies the church. He brings freedom. He gives us access to the Father. He strengthens us with power in our inner being. He makes us righteous and holy. He sets us apart as a child of God. He produces the qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. How are we doing so far? This sounds juicy to you? This sounds appealing? This sounds like somebody you wanna access? Well, guess what? I haven't finished yet. The Holy Spirit empowers you to speak good news to others. The Holy Spirit gives you energy to accomplish things that matter. The Holy Spirit helps you understand and recall the teachings of Jesus. Holy Spirit leads and directs us in serving God. He comforts us. He fills us with joy. He fills us with hope. He gives us discernment. He compels us to act. He pours the love of God into our heart. He helps us in our weakness. He prays for us even when we don't know how to pray. He pleads our case before God. He's our advocate, our helper, our defence attorney. The very presence of God is living within you. And He promises to complete the work Jesus began in in us on the day we first believe. That's a pretty good resume, right? Who wouldn't want that? But here's the thing. We may access that. But it's not automatic. We actually have to choose in our life to consistently access the river of living water. And let me give you, let me give you this. I told the team this morning, let me, let me, go, let me give you some Jesus following 101. This is, like, this is like the basics. And I hope when I've said what I'm about to say, that, that, that some of you will be like, well, duh, bruh. And like, yeah, I know it's the bro, but here's the thing. There's a difference between knowing something and doing something. So maybe this is just going to serve as a reminder, but I hope this, what I'm about to share is actually God's Holy Spirit is going to nudge you to maybe pick something up that you know you should have been doing and not shame you and not tell you off for not doing it, but remind you that, hey, this is actually how we can live overflowing even when we're overwhelmed. The way we stay hydrated is we stay hydrated with prayer. Uh, duh, bro. Yeah, I know. But how many days, and I'm not naming and shaming, but how often, how many days do you blow past the aid station without praying? Now, full disclosure, I'm not a sit in the box for four hours of the morning and pray to God guy. It just, I, I, I can barely do four minutes sitting in the box and me one-on-one with God. I'm, I'm, I'm an activist. My mind doesn't stop. And the second I say, okay, God, you and me, and I and assume lotus position and all that stuff that you're supposed to do, karma, is I, my brain is just off to the races with other things. And, uh, and, and, and if you're someone that, that, that can pause and does pause, let me know because I'm going to send some prayer requests your way because I need a little help in this. Uh, but I'm an activist, and so for me, rather than sit, sit in, a, in, in a closet, a little prayer closet or whatever it is, and, and, and pray in, in, in blocks of time, I've, I've cultivated the, the, the practice of praying through the day. 
That there'll be situations, there'll be circumstances, there'll be conversations, there'll be opportunities, there'll be challenges, there'll be reminders, there'll be things that I'm working on that I, that I pause in that moment and say, God, I need your help in this. God, I need your wisdom in this. God, I thank you for that opportunity. God, uh, I, need, I need you to, to speak something to me because I, 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 I'm missing something over here. And just and cultivating this idea that, that you're hydrating consistently through the day and through the week with prayer. Louis uh, teaches uh, high school at the moment, and um, she's got a group of kids who are they're sort of high-maintenance kids. What's the official word? Oh, learning. learning difficulties. And Louis has got a fleet of uh, education assistants, and they work with these kids. Some of these kids are on suicide watch. Some of these kids have got some serious anger management issues, and, it, and that plays out through the day. And there's only so much that teachers training college can kind of bring you up to, to be able to handle that because some of this stuff's like, whoa, did not see that coming. That wasn't in the textbook. And uh, Louis shared in our Elevate group on Tuesday night that sometimes dealing with some of the kids, you know, things are getting crazy and things are escalating. And, and Louis doesn't actually know how to, how, to, how to handle this and how to work through this with the kid. And she'll just pause and pray in that moment to herself and then respond to what God's actually given her to do in that moment. Louise stopped at an aid station and recognized that if she blows past that aid station, that she's going to be living and leading in the classroom dehydrated. But instead, she chooses to stop at the aid station, take a drink, rehydrate, and then go forward. Rehydrate with the Bible. Do bro. Again, I'm not shaming you, but it's really easy when you're overwhelmed to blow past the aid station of God's Word. It's really easy, you know, especially now, by the way, that our attention in terms of having ready access to written material is, it, 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 the competition is hotter than ever. Too many people scramble to read Facebook and don't read God's book because we just have our priorities a little bit out of whack. We need to know, we need to know what's going on in our Instagram world because of FOMO, and yet God's got something there baked in, ready for us to hydrate with, and often we'll just blow past that and, and, and wonder why. And I said this to our team this morning, and I, look, I love you guys, and so what I'm about to say, it's not judgy, and, it, and it's not about anybody being better than anyone else, but you know when we walk around living dehydrated as Jesus followers, we, we just kind of look like everyone else. Like we just, we just look just as overwhelmed as the guy or the girl in the cubicle next to us. We look just as overwhelmed and, and we cope with it just as poorly as the person on the shop front that's on the same shift as us. We, 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 we walk through our exam season just as, with just as much difficulty and, and feeling just as overwhelmed as the person in the same course as us. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. But it requires us doing some things differently. Us who believe, we may access the rivers of living water. It, it takes us who believe to make sure we access the rivers of living water. Hydrate with prayer. Hydrate with the Bible. And, and whilst I say that, it's, that it's, uh, uh, the competition is hotter than ever for our attention, accessing the Bible is actually easier than ever. You don't even have to own a physical paper Bible. I, I recommend you do, but you don't actually have to, especially those of you who are digital natives. You, 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 it, there's an app for that. Oh, I'd like to read the Bible. There's an app for that. Really? Yeah. 
It's free. Wow. Amazing. It's called the Bible app. I know. I know. Throw the creativity out the water, out the window, and just call it what it is. The Bible app that I use and recommend is called the Bible app. And it has the Bible. And you can read it. And here's what I encourage you to do. And actually, a growing number of our team and our church are doing this. In the Bible app, there are plans. Look for plans. If you don't know where to find them, ask a 13-year-old. They'll show you how to find them. They're there. They're called plans. And you can choose Bible reading plans on any topic that you want. Kind of like a you know, choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. But then you can bake into your schedule some consistency in reading the Bible. And if you do, what you are doing in that practice, what you're cultivating in that practice is you're hydrating. You're hydrating. Because here's the thing that, that, that you learn in endurance sports. Once you're collapsed on the floor, it's too late. They're going to take you to a hospital and put a, a drip in your arm. Your, your race is done. You don't get to go back out and finish and get your medal. No. Let's not live like that. Let's not wait until we're so overwhelmed that we're collapsing before we decide, maybe I should hydrate. Keep hydrated. Stay on top of it is what we teach people in the endurance world. We're the same thing following Jesus. Hydrate with prayer. Hydrate with the Bible. And here's the, here's the other clangor. Hydrate as the church. You know, we're pretty intentional. We don't say come to church. We don't call this the church, what we, what we attend. We, we remind people that we are the church and that there's something unique that only happens when we gather as the church. In our Elevate group on Tuesday night, um, I, I heard, and I said this when it came out, I heard one of the greatest and most encouraging things as a church leader that I could ever hear. A couple of our crew just involuntarily just blurted out. They said that when I'm not here on a Sunday, when I miss for some reason, my week feels incomplete. And I'm like, wow, you get it. You get it. That, that, that there are so many options available to us on a Sunday morning. And yet those people who choose to gather as the church, there's something unique that can only be done in this setting, that can only be done this isn't the only place we gather as a church. I don't want to ever think that, that, that we are the church for one hour a week and we're just free-ranging for the other 167 hours. We've got to always be the church, but there's something unique when we come together as the church. And for people to say, when I'm not here, when I miss for some reason, my week feels incomplete, they've realized, they've discovered that there's something God wants to do for you and in you and through you every time you turn up. But it requires us turning up, that we may access the rivers of living water, but we have to actually choose it. It's optional, but it's not automatic. Now, I want to do, finish just now with something, a little, uh, a great reminder. There was a song written in 1885. It was written in Shakespearean language, and it's called, How Great Thou Art. And we're going to just, you can stay seated and just think. Some of you are, we, we, we road tested this in our Elevate group. Our Elevate group's all 20-somethings, and 
uh, we road tested this, and some of them have never even heard this song before. And I'm like, yes, we're not just recycling old-fashioned church people here at Elevate. Fantastic. So if you've never heard this song before, listen. If you have heard this song before, break free of familiarity and just let God use this song to remind you that he is always overflowing, that he will always have rivers of living water available to you.